AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hello and welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I'm one of the world's leading Garfield fans. Love that orange cat. He's so disrespectful and lazy. A laugh riot. But that poor old cat has been eating lasagna and kicking Odie off a table for such a long time, seems like it's about time for him to retire. So today on the show, we're scouring the animal kingdom to look for a new species of animal to cast as the replacement Garfield. Will it be the pygmy blue-tongued skink, the gulper eel, reticulated python, or another candidate? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, is Garfield measured more by his laziness, his hatred for Mondays, or his ability to eat an entire tray of lasagna in one bite? Joining me today are my fellow Garfield friends and other members of the Garfsketeers, comedians, Joey Clift and Hannah Michaels. Welcome, you guys. I'm so excited to be here to talk about Garfield with two other people who love Garfield. Me too. So welcome to our first biannual meeting of minds of the Garfield Heads Society. Uh, you guys like Garfield, right? I, I actually have an, um, an eBay page open right now, coincidentally, for Garfield toilet seats. Yes. And that has nothing to do with any, any of the podcast. I just want one. I have some questions about the Garfield toilet seat 
mainly is the opening for the toilet seat his mouth so it's like you're pooping into his mouth this is the wish this is not what i found so far um what i've found so far are many different styles though they're all kind of cushy which kind of weirds me out but it's also comforting um and some are holiday themed so you can switch out your regular garfield toilet seat for like an Easter Garfield toilet seat. As somebody who has uh, multiple Garfield toilet seats for every occasion, including a special Garfield toilet seat that I use just on my birthday, I get it. (laughs) Well, I have a Garfield enema, but uh, (laughs) so (laughs) I I just think that like when we talk about Garfield and casting Garfield, we should talk about what Garfield means to us, maybe not like the original intention of Garfield, because the original intention of Garfield was just to make money, was just to make a mass marketable cartoon to be friendly to merchandise. And I understand this. And I don't, it's my love for Garfield is not really, it's not because, oh yeah, he's a cute cat and hilarious because it's not actually that funny. There's an almost nihilistic, aspect to Garfield where he desires to consume everything to nap he hates Mondays and he hates all other living creatures and I find that interesting from an evolutionary biology perspective yeah yeah and I find he he sort of harkens back to a a time that was I don't want to say normal I do um, want to say normal <laughs> Garfield is hypernormal in a lot of ways and there's something fascinating about that and and the sort of world that he takes on in each of our minds is the opposite of that I think because in our childhoods Garfield was hypernormal right he's the opiate of the masses and it's one of those things where you imagine in a post-apocalyptic world where it's just a barren dust covered earth but then you the dust the wind blows and the dust parts to reveal the face of a plastic garfield and i feel that that really encapsulates the human race i i hate to stop being so philosophical because i do enjoy discussing the philosophical ramifications of garfield but i we do need to get on task here and what we're doing is we are recasting another species as garfield because look this has been a, he's been a cat for over 40 years. Uh, I hate to say it, but cats don't actually have that long of a lifespan. So it's, you know, he's probably been played by several cats. And I just think that we need to, you know, have a different casting. I think it's getting stale. The, the, the having Garfield be a cat is officially getting stale. And I want to recast him as another species of animal. And I am going to make the best case I can for each of these animals for you guys to judge as the preeminent Garfield scholars that I know whether these animals encapsulate the the credo of Garfield. And let's be real, uh, cats live for about 10 to 20 years. I feel like there's probably been 43 different Garfields. They get a new one every year because you just feed a cat that much lasagna. It's not going to live that long. No. His eyes keep getting bigger. Yeah, his eyes keep <laughs> That's why. That's why there's a Garfield model change in how he looks different every year is it's a different Garfield. Yes. 
every time he's drawn slightly differently, that's actually a new Garfield sort of Phoenix-like erupting from the bloated lasagna-filled carcass of the old yeah, Garfield. I buy that that's how Garfield <laughs> true, reproduces. True. I mean, as a, as a, <laughs> yeah. as a Garfield bio- biologist, I'm making the decision that, yes, Garfield explodes. Yes. A new Garfield explodes from the carcass of the old Garfield, much like a caterpillar turning yeah. into a beautiful Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> So my first animal for you guys to judge the Garfield worthiness of is the pygmy blue tongue skink, which sounds a little bit insulting, but that's its actual name. So the pygmy blue tongue skink is found in South Australia. Skinks are a type of lizard. They're sort of chunky and tubular lizards. They have like little stubby legs. And these guys, the pygmy blue tongue skinks, are about the size of a thumb. And they're extremely lazy. And in this first section, I'm going to talk about animals that I think represent the sort of like lazy Margaritaville aspect to Garfield's personality. So pygmy blue tongues... One interesting thing is their tongues are actually pink. The reason they're called pygmy blue tongue skinks is because they are, they seem like they're smaller versions of their much larger relatives, the blue tongue skinks, which are about the size of a whole hand. And those guys do have blue tongues, but these ones don't. But they're smaller and people, I guess, the people naming them just didn't bother to check to see if their tongues are actually blue before naming them, which, you know, whatever. This is a common problem with the naming of animals is it's often you just name it the opposite of what it is. Like this is the, yeah, this is the long neck shrew and it just doesn't have a neck at all. It's very strange. It's Australia. They have a lot of lizards. Also just like, also just (laughs) checking info is hard. It's like, what are you expecting every scientist to look into the mouth of every animal that they name based on their mouth color? Give me a break. (laughs) I feel like every biologist wants to look into the mouth of every animal they find, to be honest. So they are very lazy homebodies. They just want to sit in their little burrows all day long. In fact, they are such homebodies, they were thought to be extinct up until the 90s when they were rediscovered because they spend almost all of their time in their burrows hanging out. So they're very hard to find out in the wild. And when I say their burrows, I actually mean a burrow that they've stolen from spiders. They're too lazy to dig their own burrows. So they live in empty spider burrows. And what they like to do is wait at the entrance of their burrows for prey to walk by and essentially waiting for the prey to just like fall into their mouths. They will snap at prey as they walk by. It is called ambush predation. In this case, I think it's just pure laziness though. It is these lizards waiting for an insect to be unlucky enough to basically crawl across their nose or mouth and then they just snap them up. On a scale of one to Garfield, how much, how many field garfs does this rate at? Gar- hmm. Garf's g- GPI Garf's per, so per I, inch. I'm going to base my Garfield rating on three uh, equally very important factors. One, do I think that they hate Mondays? Two, do I think they could put down a whole plate of lasagna? And three, do I think they could kick an Odie off a table? So, you know, like going into, you know, using those ratings, looking at this uh, blue tongue skink, I feel like based on the look of this animal's face, I think it's a 10 out of 10 on hating Mondays. I'm going to give it 
I'm going to give it a solid garf for just looking like it hates Mondays. It doesn't even approach Mondays. It stays oh, in its yeah, burrow. Oh, like, yeah. I buy that. It's like, a, yeah, like Mondays are a foreign concept to this thing. It, it dislikes it so much. Do I think it could put down a full thing of lasagna? Eh, I mean, probably not. Like, it's just, it's kind of small. It's like, I'm not sure, you know, like if it ate, I, I feel like it could probably eat a piece of lasagna, but like not like a, not like a pan of lasagna. And that's like a very important thing no, that I look through no. for in any Garfield. One out of ten on the on the eating a pan of lasagna rating. So that's like a, a just a gun, not a full Garf. And then, um, do I think it could kick an Odie off a table? Uh, if it was like a tiny Odie, maybe, but like probably not like a full sized Odie. So I think I'm giving the Pygmy Blue Tunk Skink uh, just just one Garf, just one Garf, just one Garf. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. What do you think, Hannah? Since Joey covered a lot of the specifically, you know, solely Garfield aspects, um, I'm going to go a bit on, do people own this? I may go on a John scale here. I see, on a John scale. Yeah, the, the John scale, I don't think people own this. This is very rare. I don't know of it being owned as a pet, at least not responsibly. Uh, so it's a terrible pet to have. Well, I mean, let's let's toss ethics right out the window. Yeah. We are talking Garfield here. Ethics, bah. Yeah, and we are talking John, who... Yeah, John, like, allowed his brother to, I think, die in his basement, right? Because, like, they're used to... He used to have a brother. Yeah, Lyman. Lyman. Mysteriously, Lyman, yeah. he mysteriously disappeared, was probably killed and eaten by Garfield. And John yeah. does nothing. Just took over his eye. dog. Yeah. Right. Turns a blind eye to all of Garfield's crimes. So I feel like ethics were, as much as I care about being ethical, John certainly doesn't. I mean, John's so I a straight up insult. Oh, yeah, no question. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it is actually canon in Garfield. There was a Garfield um, point-and-click adventure game that came out in the 90s or early 2000s. It was like Garfield's Halloween Quest or something like that. And um, there is an Easter egg where if you go into Garfield's basement, you do see Lyman's skeleton chained to a wall. Uh, and it's definitely, <laughs> and it's definitely Lyman. So, uh, you know, I mean, like, look, this isn't wonderful. anything I need to tell, you know, the two of you. We get it. But yeah, so uh, in canon, right. Lyman is chained to the basement, to John Arbuckle's basement. John probably did it. John right. probably did it. Okay, this uh, this is actually telling me nothing. I'm just going to give it two garfs. <laughs> two garfs. All right. On to the next Garf contender is the starfish. Now, there's a reason that marine biologist and creator of SpongeBob, Stephen Hillenburg, portrayed Patrick Starr, a starfish, as a lazy, brainless. Now, I, I love SpongeBob. I very much miss Stephen Hillenburg. He was a wonderful creator because he was actually a marine biologist, and a lot of the things in SpongeBob had references to marine biology that were really charming. Um, but yeah, the, the Patrick star is actually a pretty accurate depiction of what an anthropomorphic starfish would be like. Starfish are radially symmetrical echinoderms, which are related to sand dollars and sea urchins. They have no brain, but they do have a radial nervous system. They have very limited sensory organs. They have simple eye spots on each arm. And they are able to respond to touch and smell and light and dark. And that's about it. So they can move very, very slowly with the help of many rows of tiny tube feet called podia on each arm. So each of those arms have 
all of these little tiny, they look like little tentacles or like fur or something, but these are all little moving arms. And they actually move with the help of a complex hydraulic system inside the starfish. Uh, and so it's like the starfish is this really interesting machine of hydraulics and the each of the little podia, the little tiny feet, has adhesive chemicals in it that allows it to cling to substrate. So it's actually mechanically very complex in terms of its ability to think, not, nothing really going on there. So another interesting thing, and as a lot of people actually do know, they can digest externally. So they can avert their stomach, which basically means spitting out their stomach inside out. You know, like you take a sock and you turn the sock inside out, they do that, but with their stomach outside of their mouths. And why they do this is that once they spit out their stomach like that, it's still attached to their body, but by everting it, they allow all of these digestive enzymes to spill out over their prey and dissolve the prey externally. So then it can suck up prey that would be too large to ingest through its mouth without turning it into like a smoothie. Uh, so one trick that they do I've actually have a video on here if you guys want to look at it is this is a sunflower starfish prying open a bivalve which is like a clam and it pries open those those shells spits its stomach out uh, into the bivalve and then it can dissolve its insides and then suck them back up so that's one way it delicious feeds. it's just yeah, it's surprising to think of these guys as predators because when you see them, they don't really move that much. They almost don't seem like a living animal. You can only really see how they move by speeding up camera footage of it and seeing that they do move around and chase after prey and prey after other slow-moving animals. Another interesting thing about the starfish is they have gonads on each of their arm tips. And with mating, like everything else, they are rather passive and lazy. Most species do actually have separate males and females, even though they're almost completely identical. They just have different, like, male and female gonads on their arm tips. And typically what starfish will do is they release the egg and sperm into the water for external fertilization. And then these fertilized eggs uh, will hatch and become zooplankton, tiny larval starfish. In some species, there is internal fertilization. And in other species, like it's not that common, but females may even brood their eggs. So sitting on their eggs like a chicken or keeping them inside a special brood pouch. Uh, the cutest mating ritual uh, between starfish is pseudocopulation. So they don't actually have to copulate like a lot of other animals where there's, you know, insertion of genitalia. And this, they are just like, the male gets on top of the female and they link their arms together like they're holding hands and then do external fertilization. So there's no real reason for them to get on top of each other other than to sort of encourage each other to release their gonads into the water, then it is externally fertilizes and, you know, the a beautiful, wonderful process. So the reason I'm nominating this as a Garfield is its ability to eat things larger than itself by literally spitting out its t stomach and digesting externally and sucking it back in. It's extremely laid back and lazy attitude towards romance like you know how like garfield's been dating arlene for years but it's just always so like he's so passive it just seems like he's waiting 
for something to happen, but it never does happen. And also it's very slow and sometimes orange. So that those are my reasons for nominating the starfish. I would say that the only downside to the starfish is that I don't think Garfield is stupid. I think he chooses not to use his brain. Like it's an active choice. Like he could think if he used 100% of his brain, it would actually turn out he's like a super genius. He just elects not to think that hard about things. So what do you guys think? I was actually gonna ask if Garfield because of the Garfield and Arlene situation. Because we know Garfield and Arlene do have gonads on their arm tips, but right. do they Um, I think it, again, it's like an external fertilization situation mm -hmm. where they kind of like, maybe it's like they externally fertilize, Garfield then absorbs the eggs into his brood sack and then the brood erupt from, like we said earlier, from his lasagna bloated carcass and feed off of him uh, in their sort of early larval stages. And, and that's how we get a new Garfield. Okay. Yeah. There, there have been a lot of like, you know, really great biological thinkers on the internet who have also hypothesized the question of if Garfield f***s. And, you know, I mean, like, I, like I, right. I've done a lot of research Googling Garfield f***ing on um the internet and you know some images come up that like really i think just show that you know it shows some good info there that i think just like shows it's like documentaries you know it's beautiful right like, I, I was looking at an image earlier right. today of uh garfield totally on an <laughs> yeah, accident totally, no, right? I was research for this i was uh, looking at an image earlier today of garfield holding a baby that he made with sonic the hedgehog so you know he's yeah, oh, of course. yeah so he's capable yeah. of He's capable yeah. of having brood outside of his species, yeah. too. I, I think that they're, once again, going back to my three factors, I think if you look at the starfish, you know, the ability to put down a plate of lasagna or a pan of lasagna, I think this starfish has got that in spades. That's a solid 10, of course. You know, uh, ability to kick Odie off a table. I'm going to say I think that this starfish could probably do that. Um, I think, you know, it's like it's probably not going to be very fast, but it looks like it's got enough mass that could pull it off. It could probably set off like a Rube Goldberg yeah. device that kicks Odie off by sort of like slowly crawling over, lulling Odie into a sense of security, and then setting off the Rube Goldberg machine that kicks Odie off into a box that gets mailed to Australia or something. I buy that that's within the realm of possibility. So once again, going to give that a perfect 10. You know, do I think that this starfish hates Mondays? Honestly, you know, like you said, it doesn't really have a brain. So I don't think that this starfish hates, a mon hates Mondays. So I'm going to give it a zero on that. But there is one, one, one additional mm -hmm. important factor, I think, when thinking about a replacement Garfield in um, number of gonads. And as we know, Garfield has uh, a sexually reproductive organ on the tip of each of his uh, appendages. <laughs> classic Garfield fact. Right. Yeah. Each of his yeah, digits. Yeah, this is a classic yeah. Jim Davis fact that just, you know, that's like why he made the character. So I'm going to give this character three garfs. Right. You know, three out of, three out of four. Yeah. Three garfs. Yeah, that's yeah. solid. It's a good number of garfs. Hannah, do you concur? I do. I think on the um, on the John scale, which I'm going to abandon after this because it's 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 a mess. Who cares um, about John anyway? Yeah, but in terms of a starfish, John would absolutely own this. He would wear it on his lapel. He mm -hmm. would try to impress ladies. That works. It would be stuck to his face and slowly yes. digest one of his eyeballs. I agree. Yes, that would also absolutely happen while he's hitting on the vet. Who, right. by the way, take a. A class at the learning annex about hints. Yeah. Also, like, wait a second. Yeah, let's trash talk John. 
Liz is just doing her job. She's just at work. Why would you just, I don't know. Uh, I also could definitely imagine John going to Liz with Starfish Garfield, Garfish, um, on his face, it eating one of its eyeballs by averting its stomach into his eye socket. And then he quips to Liz, I guess we just don't see eye to eye. And Liz is going, oh, my God, John, how did you... Why is there, oh my God, your eye, you're going to be blind, John. And he's he's going, I guess we just don't see eye to eye. I feel dizzy. Yeah, she's also just like, did you think that this would get me to say yes to dating you? What, how does your brain work? <laughs> you definitely just wrote a Garfield strip that is 100% canon. I'm going to say it. It has to be. I feel like after this episode ends, we need to just write a book of Starfield Garfield shorts. Right, Starfield. Yeah, Starfield strip number one writes itself. I just wanted to give a quick honorary mention to one of the world's most lovable lazy animals, the manatee. Manatees are a mammal that lives an entirely aquatic life. Their closest living relatives are elephants and hyraxes, hyraxes being an African mammal that looks a bit like an overgrown gopher combined with a guinea pig. But manatees are wildly different in their behavior, namely, they're very lazy. They spend half their day snoozing in the water, surfacing for air every 20 minutes or so. The other half of their day, they spend grazing aquatic plants, and that's about it. That's the manatee's life. They swim at only about three miles per hour, five kilometers per hour. They only breed once every couple of years and give birth to a single calf. And they're not necessarily stupid. They seem to have long-term memory and can learn to associate events. They can also live quite a long time, up to 60 years, which would allow it to actually live as long as the comic strip has been running, a little over 40 years. When we return, we're going to rate animals based on another Garfield characteristic, their ability to eat a lot. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Garfield loves lasagna, so should you feed your kitty a big old tray of the Italian treat? Sorry, folks, but only in your cat's dreams. Lasagna often contains onion and garlic in the seasoning, which is very toxic to cats and dogs, too. Sorry, Odie. The carbohydrates aren't great either, nor is the dairy content, as cats are generally lactose intolerant, so it'll give them even more tummy troubles. I wonder why there's no Garfield strips all about the awful Garf farts that are almost certainly inevitable. So we've talked about some lazy animals who I think could embody that aspect of Garfield. That's like their strongest, I think, correlation to Garfield. Although the, the Starfield or a, a Garfish, I think, is strong also in the eating category, which is what this section's all about. So we're going to talk about animals that eat enough. And I think these are going to get a 10 out of 10 on the entire tray of lasagna eating capability. So first, let's talk about the gulper eel, also known as the pelican eel, which is basically a mouth with a tail, which I think, again, like Garfield has changed over the years. He's gotten more simply drawn, sort of like bigger eyes, smaller body. I think just get rid of the body. I think just be a mouth with a tail, like a mouth, eyes, and a tail. So the pelican eel is a deep sea eel with a long, thin, blackish brown body, about two and a half feet in length, which is like 0.75 meters. But it's mostly a giant set of jaws with tiny needle-like teeth, a pair of little beady eyes connected to the eel part of it, which it's technically not all tail, but it's it basically looks like a tail. It's just its body. Like imagine an eel but the eel part is pretty small relative to the head, which is just got just a big mouth. I've got a we all have a photo up right now. What's that on the on the butt ta- end of the tail? I want to say butt. It's the end of the tail. I think that might be a bioluminescent bulb. My guess was going to be it was a little bit of lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Looking at this pelican eel, I don't know how many garfs to give this thing because there's just, this is a perfect Garfield right here. It's like, it's got a giant mouth, looks like it's real mad at everything, not just Mondays. Uh, It looks like a Lovecraftian horror thing, which we all know was uh, Mm -hmm. Jim Davis's original goal for Garfield was for him to be like a Lovecraft horror monster. I think there's a book called uh, Garfield and His Nine Lives where Jim Davis draws different styles of Garfield in different stories. And one is very horrific and similar to this, but more subtle. But no, I, I agree. I think gulper eels are a very strong contender. Oh, and also, Hannah, I did look it up. That bulb on his tail is indeed a bioluminescent bulb and it glows pink, which is cute. That is cute. 
I guess what I'm saying is looking at this pelican eel, when I close my eyes and think of Garfield, this is definitely what I see. So, you know. One thing that the gulper eel does is it uses its giant mouth like a net. It can suck in huge gulps of water and take in crustaceans and invertebrates, anything that can like fit in, in there. And then it can get, it, basically its stomach is like a balloon that can expand and hold this food. It doesn't usually eat like that big of prey, but it's capable of it. So, you know, you don't know what it's capable of, essentially. And it turns itself into a water balloon. So sucks in a huge amount of water until it literally looks like a water balloon with a tail. And then it can push all of the excess water out of its gill slits and keep the food in its stomach. Uh, and there is a video. I'll include it, all of this in the show notes, but you guys can look. It's of a gulper eel uh, in water balloon form. And marine biologists are watching this on a deep sea cam and they're losing it. They're <laughs> it's so funny to hear uh, researchers lose it overseeing something. And they're like, what? It's a Muppet. It looks like a Muppet. Um, w- one question I had about the pelican eel that um, is uh, it's very important for me in kind of like helping decide the the future Garfield. Right. Is do you think that this do you think a pelican eel could survive swimming in a cup of uh, coffee? Hmm. This is an interesting question. Like a hot cup of coffee. Oh, I don't think too hot. No. Maybe like, I mean, first of all, it's a deep sea fish. So bringing bringing it up to the surface to put it in coffee is probably going to kill it. Uh, I think if you somehow have like a cup of coffee in the deep sea, which is going to be hard because, again, if you have it in a styrofoam Starbucks uh, cup, it's going to get crushed. So I I think introducing this eel to coffee is either going to destroy the coffee or destroy the eel. I'm not sure you can have these two things exist at once in the same dimension. Uh, In that case, I I think we... How are you thinking this would be? I'm, I need to know, like, how would this work? Like, is Garfield known for swimming in coffee? Um, oh, yes. I mean, they, they, there are a lot of, you know, looking at the original texts of Garfield, there are definitely a lot of uh, a lot of clips of him, you know, on a Monday sitting in a giant cup of coffee like it's a jacuzzi. And, you know, I, 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 I guess I just want to make sure that the future Garfield is capable of, you know, is capable of living his true life, you know? Right. Yeah, I I would say unfortunately, I have to be honest uh, about each candidate. Uh, also because I am concerned with their welfare. I don't want to cast an animal as a Garfield and have the new Garfield be in danger by being in a giant uh sort of kitty pool-sized cup of boiling hot coffee and have that hurt them. Although I would say again, for most of these animals I would say boiling coffee is not going to work. It's going to have to be a tepid coffee i I think i'm okay with like doesn't have to be boiling just like like room temperature you know just like the coffee part's important yeah right if you can get that down to the bottom of the ocean it maybe it'd be fine sure why not but like if you want it to be floating in a cup of coffee a bit like a comically large cup of coffee on the on the surface sort of like with sunglasses uh I, i don't know I don't think I'm not sure about that. I, I can't honestly say I think that would work. Oh, okay, I'll I'll keep that in mind in my in, in my uh, in my decision. I think 
in your yeah. analysis. How many garfs, Hannah, do you think? Uh, mouth, 10. Lasagna, 10. Swimsuit competition, 10. Personality, 10. So, uh, four garfs. Four garfs. We got a solid four garfs. That's good. What do you think, Joey? I'm going to say... I'm going to say four garfs with the asterisk of, I would, if they're like, so far this animal is very much in the front running, but if there's another animal with an equal vote that can't, that can swim in a giant cup of coffee, I'm probably going to have to lean toward the other animal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Also kicking Odie off the table, like he could definitely swallow Odie whole. He could swallow Odie again, something you shouldn't Google. And then I think <laughs> spit him out off the table. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's that. That's a valid. That's I a valid I, kick. I guess that, like with that, I think it does for kicking Odie off the table. As long as he's bringing harm to Odie, I think it's okay. So if he swallows and eats Odie, that's yeah. like the same. Yeah, point. it's it's a similar right. It's sort of the inverse of the kicking off the table maneuver, but ju- just as potentially lethal. First issue of Pelican Eel Garfield is him swallowing Odie and then spitting up his bones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and the, yeah, I love that with the cartoon bones <laughs> where like it's literally the outline of the dog and the ears are just giant ear bones. Oh, yeah. Right. And please, this is going to be called Garfield. <laughs> Garfield. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Our next candidate is the Tasmanian Devil, who is a carnivorous marsupial from the Australian Outback. They don't really look like the Looney Tunes Taz. They are little black and they usually have like a white stripe on their chest. Furry little critter that looks like the cross between a bear and a squirrel. Uh, They're about the size of a small dog. They have a thick furry tail. They use to store extra fat and they are extremely carnivorous and they uh, have a voracious appetite and a bad attitude. They can eat up to 40% of their own body weight in one sitting, so much that they can sometimes struggle to walk and they have to waddle or rest. And relative to their size, they have the strongest bite of any mammal. Their bite relative to their body size is stronger than a tiger, and they can easily crush bone. In terms of their behavior, they are pugnacious. They're not... I think their reputation is maybe a little bit, they're not necessarily territorial, but they do fight over food. So most of the fights between devils is over food. And sometimes they wrestle each other too, like they'll stand up on their hind legs and shove at each other. That is, I think that this, the Tasmanian devil really encapsulates Garfield's love, um, violent love for food, I would say. Um, yeah, I think that this Garfield, you know, I get the impression that the, that a Tasmanian Devil Garfield, Tasmanian Devilfeld would um, very much hate Mondays in the same way that it probably hates everything else. I feel like it could probably put down a an entire pan of lasagna and would probably also eat the pan. Um, you know, I, I guess that my 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 concern on Tasmanian Devil Garfield is, you know, like I know I know that Looney Tunes is not a documentary, but I feel like the Tasmanian Devil in Looney Tunes is very active and it's not particularly lazy mm-hmm. so i guess that my concern on tasmanian devil Feld would be like is he lazy is he capable of sleeping in a box for 19 right. hours a day um you know that's that i think that that's that's my what i would like to like put forward to the group 
the modern day drawing of Garfield definitely also stores fat in his tail. So that's that's that's, that's true. Good... That is another comparison. They don't necessarily hibernate seasonally, but they do um, during the day have sort of a mini hibernation called torpor, where it, they just sort of go into a mega sleep where they conserve their energy. Okay. One, that's adorable. Two, oh, thank God, I was going to have to disqualify him. <laughs> but they are very active at night and at dusk and dawn, which is called being crepuscular. So they're they're a mixture between being crepuscular and nocturnal. So I think... I think we don't, but we don't see Garfield, like we do see sometimes, Gar the, the comics where we see Garfield at night are sort of more, I think, demonic. Yeah, just a, a similar thought. Do you think that John has toxoplasmosis from Garfield? Absolutely. Definitely. Toxoplasmosis is the, when you're infected by T. gondii, which is a small a microorganism that lives in cat poop. Basically, it can infect rats, get in their brain and infect them so that they are no longer afraid of cats. And so the rats will get eaten by the cats. The Toxoplasma gondii then completes its mating cycle inside of the cat gut and then gets pooped out. And then humans, if you handle cat poop, um, gross, also you can get uh, toxoplasmosis, which generally, unless you're pregnant, doesn't have too too many symptoms, but there is a theory that it could make you horny for cats or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, that does make sense that Garfield would be riddled with parasites. I buy that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it explains the cat people phenomenon. So how many how many Garfs, Hannah? Yeah. Tasmanian I Devil should get. I think the crepuscular thing is the one hitch in the right. bonnet that's not a phrase. Uh, it sounds like a phrase Jim Davis would use, but it's not a phrase. A real, it's something John would say, a real hitch in my bonnet as yeah. he's trying to pry the Tasmanian devil Garfield off of his face. Yeah, I buy yes. that. that. And that is definitely <laughs> the first and last Tasmanian devil felt stripped would just be... Garfield, <laughs> John opening the box and being like, welcome to your new home. Next strip, attached to face, following strip. Yeah. Uh, John is a skeleton and Tasmanian devil ate him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He rips his whole entire face off. Maybe not quite Garfield material. Like, I don't think this, I don't think, I think this could be a Garfield substitute, like sub in for a few strips, but maybe not in the long yeah. run. Definitely a contender, though. Although, although the Tasmanian Devil would be up early in the morning without coffee, which is uh, not a Garfield trait, everything else seems to be fairly on point. I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give five Garfs. Yeah. Five Garfs. I feel wow. Like this is a very on point. This is like gritty reboot Garfield, and I'm gonna agree with that. I think five Garfs is a. I think that's an accurate number for this. This is like Garfield being played by Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yes. As we exactly. all know, Bruce Willis would just really get very much into the spirit of Garfield. Our next contender is the reticulated python. So the reticulated python is the world's longest snake. It grows up to 20 feet, which is about six and a half meters, and weighs up to 160 pounds. They are found all over South Asia and pythons are a family of non-venomous snakes who throttle their prey and swallow them whole. The reticulated python is called what it's called because they have 
these little squares of pigment that almost look like pixels, like you printed this python with sort of a pixelated coloration. And they are quite gorgeous animals. They have these stripes and patterns, and they can also be bred to have more unusual color morphs, including being orange. So I'm just going to put it out there. We could get a Garfield-branded reticulated python for sure with the characteristic orange and black stripes. I would say I do have to be honest. Unfortunately, uh, reticulated pythons do kill people occasionally. There are only a few recorded cases of people being eaten by reticulated pythons. So, you know, John may be okay if he keeps uh, Snakefield fed, but reticulated pythons would have no trouble eating an entire pan of lasagna in one bite. They can eat entire pigs, small deer, alligators. They can eat prey that weighs as much as they do, if not more. Their jaws just can completely open wide enough to uh, swallow a human being if they want, which they have occasionally done. Uh, another interesting sort of, to me, garf-like aspect is that they can go weeks between feeding, just lazing around and digesting, and a particularly large meal can actually last them several months at a time. So they could eat John and then chill out for like several months, which I feel like is very gar... It's, it's, this one's got a few things going for it. It's got the Garfield, it could be orange orange and stripy. In fact, I've included a few images of these are domesticated ones, or not domesticated really, just pet ones. <laughs> There's no way they they have not been domesticated. They would still eat you if they got the chance. They are ver really beautiful, sort of orange with dark brown and black stripes and patterns. Other than looks, they also just like the, their ability to eat and to be lazy is very Garf-esque. Yeah, I, I I do think that, um, I mean, as we talked about earlier with, um, you know, uh, the unfortunate passing of Lyman, Garfield has taken a life before. So, you know, so the Python, um, so right. Snakefeld, you know, having no problem taking a life, I don't think is a deal breaker when thinking of a new Garfield. You know, you do mm -hmm. want somebody who's, you know, cold blooded, has like a, you know, thirst for blood that Garfield has. Smells through his tongue. Yeah, smells through his tongue like Garfield, like we all know Garfield does. You know, I think that he can unhinge his jaw and eat a lot of lasagna. That's the really good thing going for him. They can have orange coloration. I think that that's, um, that's a really great candidate for a future Garfield. I guess that, like, he, the way that he eats, is it possible? Does he have to strangle, or uh, does he have to strangle every bit of prey? Or if he just saw a plate of lasagna, would he try to, like, wrap around it and coil around it first before eating it? Or would he just go for it and eat that lasagna? That's a good question. The purpose of the strangulation is to get the prey to stop moving and kicking around so it can en engulf the prey and eat it. So I feel like with the lasagna, as long as Snakefield understands the lasagna is not going to move or resist being eaten, I, I don't think it would necessarily need, uh, that would be overkill to sort of strangle it. Only one question, where's its butt? Well... Snakes have what is called a cloaca, and that is usually near the end of the snake. Now, imagine the evolutionary history of a snake is that it was essentially like a lizard 
with legs and then it got longer and lost its legs. So a lizard's cloaca is uh, right near, it's like right at the base of its tail. And so a snake's cloaca is also right at the base of its tail. It's just its tail looks a lot like just more snake. So it's actually does have a tail in addition to the rest of its body. It's just it. It's hard to tell the difference between its its caudal vertebrae and and region and just the rest of it. <laughs> okay, well, given that, um, I'm gonna say this is a pretty good contender as well. In terms of mentality, I'm not. Wait, sure. no, hang on, Hannah. I do want to back up because I do want to know why you needed to know where its butt is in order to rate it on the Garf I, scale. I, understand that. I feel like the, I feel like Garfield's butt location is a very important factor when trying to figure out the new Garfield. Garfield is maybe not a maybe not purely a cat, but in his quest to upset and disgust John in every way possible, he would probably do that cat thing. Right, putting the butt in the face. That's a that's a very good point. And yes, a snake could could in theory do that and it's at the base of his tail just like garfield's presumably so that that's that's a that's a good sign um i i i i made this up because i'm just very but i just wanted to know one thing snakes very rarely they don't typically pass gas but they can and when it happens it's very funny just thought you should know that that's good to know i don't know if i've ever seen a script where garfield does but yeah, I don't. I think that that Jim Davis really doesn't like going into the fart territory, which I think no. is a shame. I think it's he's one fine of those, to go into the dog cum territory, though. It's right, he's okay with like there being a jar of dog uh, gametes, liquid dog gametes, uh, that Johnny drinks, slurps yeah. right down. But it you is know, tough to... Garfield farting is. I, I'm sorry. I feel like I brought us down to a, a no, lower I, level. No, 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 no. I no, think no, no, that like. No, no, it's worth it's worth it's examining. Important. I, think. I think that um, you know, I think that Jim Davis, I think that he's he is very inconsistent in what he thinks is appropriate for Garfield and not appropriate for Garfield. And I think that that's you know, I think mm-hmm. that that's a that's a worthy true. conversation to have. I mean, if you get into like the the you know extended pausing universe with Pet Force and all of that, there's there's a lot more room for a lot of stuff. If you get into Garfield and Friends, there are actually a lot of adult jokes there. So, and a, and a lot of, I don't remember if there were farts, but I'm going to guess there were farts. Right. Yeah, I remember Garfield and Friends where Garfield just has a big set of honkers. Yeah. We all remember <laughs> yep. that episode. That was yep. great. That was a good one. Yeah, classic, classic episode. <laughs> <laughs> so how many Garfs would you give the reticulated python? I'm... I'm sort of torn because I still feel like attitude-wise, maybe not perfect, but I felt the same way about the Tasmanian Devil, so I'm going to give another five. Five Garfs, that's solid. Yeah, I, I agree with the five Garfs number. I think, I guess that my, my concern is that I hope that he doesn't put too much effort into uh, eating lasagna. You know, I'd be concerned if we cast him as Garfield and he felt the need to strangle a lasagna every time at a certain point because like garfield's not mm-hmm. gonna put that much work into every lasagna he's just gonna put his hands in and go gobble gobble yeah. so right. you know when you give a, a snake like one of those frozen mouse embryos they just gobble them up oh so. yeah i think they know i think they learn they know that if it's not moving there's not really a need you can just get put that right in case i hard agree five garfs i think that's i think that's the right the right number for this solid 
Not everyone is a fan of Garfield. There was a 2006 scathing opinion piece published in the Journal of American Academy of Pediatrics called Sleeping with the Enemy, Garfield and the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute. Apparently, the National Center for Sleep Disorders research of the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute ran a Sleep Well, Do Well star sleeper campaign featuring Garfield as the spokes cat based on his renowned ability to nap. But the author of the takedown slammed Garfield for his unhealthy eating habits, writing, quote, Garfield is a poster child for cardiovascular risk. Although I have no knowledge of his family history, he is clearly obese and sedentary. I shudder to think what his blood pressure and lipid profile are, given the quality and quantity of the diet he consumes. Similarly, if he is not yet frankly diabetic, Garfield is certainly at risk of developing type 2 diabetes and may already exhibit impaired glucose tolerance. Sorry Garfield, you're cancelled. Doctor's orders. When we return, we'll talk about some animals who look like they're ripping off Garfield's trademark style. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
Garfield is a trademark bright orange, so why did tigers plagiarize Garfield's look? It seems like a silly choice for an ambush predator like a tiger, whose best bet is to remain camouflaged before pouncing and biting down on your neck like a tray of lasagna. But it turns out those bright orange and black stripes are actually excellent camouflage to their preferred prey, deer and boar. These prey animals are red-green colorblind and struggle to see the difference between green and orange. So a tiger's orange-striped fur is going to blend in very well with green vegetation, especially in a lush, shadow-streaked forest where tigers live. No wonder tigers have risked the wrath of Jim Davis and Paws Inc. to steal that trademarked Garfield orange glow. So now I just kind of want to talk about like the aesthetics of Garfield and these animals that even if they couldn't be cast as the new Garfield, I think that they show that they're at the very least Garfield fans with their aesthetic choices. Our first animal is the golden pheasant. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not sure this animal would be a good Garfield replacement. I just admire the fandom that they display. The sort of the, the the Garfield they they understand the Garfield brand, the Garfield aesthetic. So, golden fe pheasants are sort of like an aristocratic version of Garfield. Like you take Garfield and add some like diamonds and jewels you know, deck Garfield out. Golden pheasants are a pheasant native to China's forests and mountains, and they are very striking looking. The females are just sort of a um, ashy uh, brown color, so they're not that exciting, but the males have striking orange and black feathers, sort of like sideburns that are almost like an umbrella around its cheeks and that are striped black and orange. They have orangey red bellies and an orange cape, which is a fan of feathers on its back that it can spread during mating. And I just, I just appreciate the aesthetics of this bird. I feel like this is a Garfield fan that uses its Garfield fanboyism to try to impress its mates. Yeah, I think that I think the golden pheasant. I, I get what you're talking about in that, like uh, his um, there's coloration on his feathers that definitely, definitely exudes Garfield. It definitely, definitely feels right. like you know it's like a Christmas tree. If Garfield was a Christmas tree, I'm not sure if I would want this animal to be the replacement Garfield or the new Garfield. Right. Because like you know like I'm not sure necessarily like how much lasagna could he eat? could it kick Odie off the table? How does it feel off about Mondays? Yeah. But I do think that um, the coloration shows that he would be a welcome addition to the Garfield universe. You know I think that like if you look at it, it definitely feels like oh this is a symbol of the Garfield prophecy. This means that Garfield is coming, and that's something that yeah it's like it's like a Garfield omen. So we don't even have to rate this I think I think we should just name this the official Garfield omen so you know how if you have a bunch of crows that's an omen I guess of the devil or something the golden pheasant showing up is an omen of Garfield cometh he approacheth if you saw Avengers Endgame it's like those guys that came in advance of Thanos and like we're like Thanos is coming yes. it's like this feels like this bird is that yeah. for Garfield the Herald, it's the Herald of, Garfield. of Garfield, and he's like, "Bring out your lasagna and tremble, and I do." <laughs> <laughs> Our next candidate 
Uh, now this one I think could actually potentially pull off being Garfield. This is the milkweed tiger moth caterpillar. So adult milkweed tiger moths are sort of plain looking moths with brown wings. But if you look closely, you can see a bit of orange and black stripes on their abdomen, which is a faint memory of the glorious Garfi caterpillar they once were. So these moths and their larval stages, the caterpillars, are found all over North America, just like Garfield. Caterpillars are the larval forms of moths and butterflies, and they have one mission, to get thick by eating as much as possible. So they eat and eat and eat. We did read that important uh, seminal novel as children, The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar, very accurate. Caterpillars exist to eat as much as they can so that they collect as much nutrients to fuel their metamorphosis into adults. The milkweed tiger moth caterpillar has fuzzy black and orange stripes just like Garfield. So I think this is a real good, like they've got this, they have the look, they have the Garf look. Another cool thing, which I do think is similar to Garfield, is they have toxins that they've acquired from plants that they can use to cause heart problems in predators if they attempt to ingest them just like Garfield does. Yes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. That is very true of Garfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I yeah, I love the 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 cardiac toxin that Garfield has and exudes, and that I mean that's one reason that John is always so stressed looking is he is just getting a lot of heart palpitations just by being around Garfield. Yeah, and trying to eat him. John may try to kiss him, but then he gets some of that that mm -hmm. cardiac toxin on his lips and that's just one of many Garfield's tools of torment. Caterpillars in general I think are very Garfield-like because of how voracious they are and so I think the milkweed tiger moth caterpillar is perhaps the one that looks the, looks the most like Garfield but the monarch butterflies caterpillars are it's so voracious, I even though they don't look that much like Garfield, I think they encapsulate the spirit more. So they um, eat 200 times their birth weight within two weeks. According to Texas Butterfly Ranch, quote, imagine a seven pound newborn child consuming 1,400 pounds of formula in a two week period. It does sound like Garfield. Yeah, that does sound like Garfield. Did they ever do a baby Garfield? Was there like a Garfield baby? Oh, only in my dreams. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, originally when you showed me this, uh, when you showed me a, a milkweed tiger moth caterpillar, my initial impression was, oh, that ain't Garf. But now that you've described it to me, and especially using terms of the hungry, hungry caterpillar, I'm honestly very on board for a milkweed tiger moth felled. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I'm going to go with five Garfs on this. Five garps. That's solid. What about you, Hannah? Uh, I'm going to go with stunt double. 100%. Nice. This could be a stand-in for Garfield. Right. Um, indistinguishable. Right. When, when like, they need to do another take of Garfield eating lasagna, but Garfield's already eaten 500 pans of lasagna, and he simply can't eat any more. You get the stunt field in. 
who can continue to eat take after take more and more lasagna. Um, but first, yeah. first you take that the Garfield that could only eat five hundred pans of lasagna, and you fire him, and you say, <laughs> "Garfield is supposed to eat infinite lasagna." End of the end yeah, of the end line. Of, get out of here. Got to send that Garfield out to pasture. Yeah. Oh God, is that why John's parents own a farm? Yeah. Is that like all the all the old Garfields? Oh, yeah. US, US Acres yeah. is built on the bones of all of the dead Garfields. Of 40 dead Garfields. <laughs> they chuck them into a juicer and that's where we get orange juice from. Oh, I mean, I do love orange juice. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Me too. Our last candidate to replace Garfield is the carrion beetle. Now, I am actually quite fond of this, and I want you to hear it out. Because not only are carrion beetles got the look of Garfield, I think, I don't know, they're they're an almost more family-friendly version of Garfield if you really think about it. Hear me out. So there are many species of carrion beetle, but the one I want to focus on is called Necrophorus vespilo, which has orange and black stripes in sort of a cartoonish squiggle that looks like the characteristic squiggly pinstrokes of Garfield the cartoon. So I I think they already have the whole Garfield mood just drawn on their shell. It's a fun and festive look for a carrion beetle. And I guess the only downside to the carrion beetle is maybe they're too good of an animal to be Garfield. I got to say they're sweet, kind wonderful undertakers of the animal kingdom they eat dead bodies this is true. much like garfield i think this is a good thing much like garfield but the difference is they don't generally kill the dead carrion before they eat it it's it's scavenging these dead carrion so one thing they do is they will come across like something like a dead mouse or something and then they will bury the body underground create a den usually sort of using the fur of the of the dead uh, animal to line their den and they will lay their eggs and when their eggs hatch their larva can feed on the carcass and both mom and dad will stay with the young and feed them they will eat up little bits of the carrion and the adults also eat maggots so if you're grossed out by maggots these adults will eat the maggots of other species of, of insects and use them to feed their own cute little maggots. Another thing is that they are helpful in solving murder cases. So carrion beetles are useful for forensic entomologists. Uh, forensic entomologists are people who study the different stages that an insect may be at in their development in order to help determine the time a Daver has been dead. So you're like, oh, I recognize how old this beetle grub is. So I know that this body has been dead for like a week or something. And so again, these garf beetles help solve crime, which I think is great. Another cool carrion beetle fact is that some species of carrion beetles have noxious butt secretions that they can use to ward off predators, which I think would be an, a real fun addition to sort of the Garf, the Garfield franchise would be like Garfield excretes a plume of noxious fluid and John, you know, makes that eek face that he makes and like passes out. And as the readers were all like, oh, Garfield, you're 
evolutionary defense mechanism is so fun. Now that you bring that up, I kind of can't picture a Garfield without that. Um, you know, I feel like right. yeah. yeah, I feel like having noxious butt fumes is definitely, you know, that just screams Garfield to me. I feel like this is the pet John was trying to get. <laughs> like he He's just he, like he went to the pet store and forgot what forgot the this word is, for beetle. Yeah, this is what he thought he was buying. Yes, um, it's way too helpful to be Garfield. Yeah, I guess that that's yeah. my main takeaway is like Garfield ain't no snitch, you know. Yeah, not only that, this this beetle could be Garfield's downfall. Yeah, like if this if this beetle found Lyman, Garfield would be done. Yeah, this beetle would help solve the murder of Lyman. I, I think this is like this is sort of the Flanders to Garfield. You know what I mean? <laughs> Flanders in The Simpsons was created to be a direct um, opposite of Homer, you know, in every way, personality and physique. And this beetle is, while it has the cute orange and black stripes of Garfield, it is such a better creature than Garfield. It probably would be kind to Normal, the kitten. It would feed Normal. It would, you know, only, and like if Normal was killed, then it would discreetly bury Normal's body in a very respectful way and then use Normal's body to raise its young, which I think is beautiful. Yeah, I guess like, could I picture a world where Garfield is a carrion beetle? Yes. Do I want to live in that world? No. <laughs> yeah. And also, if if the carrion beetle is the Flanders to Garfield, then who is normal? A stand-in for capitalism? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Bart, but no, it's not rascally enough to be Bart. I feel like normal is... Okay, so if Flanders is, is um, Homer's opposite... Um, I feel like Nermal is Krusty the Clown in that he is Homer at his ideal, um, or Garfield is his mm. ideal. Mm, um, yes. Like it's, uh, that was actually, um, when The Simpsons was theoretically only going to go for one season, they were going to end the season by revealing that Homer is Krusty. And it's mm. just like, it, it's why the characters like are designed so similarly and look so similarly. They just thought it would be a fun twist if like Bart's hero was his dad and like, Bart didn't even know it. Mm. So I think that, you know, I think that that's, you know, this carrion beetle is, I think, the ideal of what John wants Garfield to be. Helpful, considerate, noxious butt fumes. Gets rid of dead bodies much more effectively than yeah, Garfield yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to yeah. bake the bodies into lasagna first to get Garfield to eat them, which is just too many steps. Right. I mean, Garfield just left Lyman's whole skeleton in the basement. That's a real easy for the cops yeah. to find. And I mean, you there's know, like a yeah. door down there and it's just like chained to a wall. It's like not hard. Right. I mean, I, I love that carrion beetles could be on both sides of the law. Like you want to get rid of a body like the carrion beetle can help you. But like you want to solve a murder or the carrion beetle can help you. It just it depends on what you can do for the carrion beetle. It's a double edged beetle. Yeah, it's it's just the duality of man, really. The duality of carrion beetles. Yeah. So maybe not. So maybe this wouldn't be Garfield. This is a good Garfield uh, deuteragonist or anti. I I don't know. Yeah. What are he definitely or like a parallel universe where John gets a good pet. Yeah. 
Ooh, into the Garf verse. This is like the Mor- Miles Morales of Garfields, like a kinder, better version of Garfield. <laughs> I also want to see an entire Garfield series that's just the alternate universe where he got a good pet. <laughs> it's just like a very normal and sweet yeah, very normal cat. and sweet cat. He's in just a healthy relationship with a woman that he didn't badger at her work. He's a functional adult whose life doesn't revolve entirely around his cat i take that back there are plenty of functional adults whose entire lives revolve around their cats it's okay so what 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 are we gonna let's make a judgment who who's who's your garfield pick a garfield you don't you guys don't have to pick the same garfield but you got to pick a garfield Mm. don't think too hard just like let it be your gut reaction like who is gar like think like just like who's garfield and let it come out pelicaneel okay we got Pelcaneal. I was actually also going to say Pelcaneal. I feel like the Pelcaneal did it. is, uh, it's the closest to what I think Jim Davis's original intent for Garfield is, is right. a giant sea snake with a huge mouth that looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Garfield, Garfield, we've done it. Yeah. We did yeah. it. We, re- we recast Garfield and we're going to get some really fun, I think, new, fresh comics from it. I think so. I love how we've been so in sync throughout this whole thing. I mean, I, I expect nothing less of the three Garfsketeers, but yes, I think we've, I think we did it. I think this was a really good brainstorming session, and now we just gotta kickstart it and make our own series of Garfield. Yeah, step aside, Jim Davis. We've got the new Garfield, <laughs> and he's an eel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. This was so fun. This is like my dream to talk to my fellow Garfield philosophers. I'm going to say philosophers, doctors of philosophy of Garfield on the show. Let's have you guys plug your stuff. So, Hannah, let's start with you. I'm currently working on things that are not out. Um, but my Twitter handle is at H-A-N-A-M-I-C-H-E-L-S. I gotta spell my name and I am sorry. It, 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 I, it's a long series of Ellis Island decisions. (laughs) (laughs) And Joey, you got anything to plug? So you can follow me on Twitter at Joey Tainment. You can follow me on Instagram at Joey Clift. And since this episode is dropping before then, I'm, um, you should check out Comedy Central's Instagram stories on Indigenous Peoples Day because I'm doing a takeover for Indigenous Peoples Day. To oh, that's uh, awesome. yeah, it's uh, so going to cool. be a bunch of jokes and things about Native stuff, and then I'm um, I'm doing it to promote a list of uh, 25 Native American comedians you should follow in 2020. I'm Native American. There are a lot of funny Native Americans. I'm one of them, hopefully. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not on the list. I helped write the list, but I'm hopefully in the category of funny natives. So uh, yeah, check that out. Follow me on Twitter. Watch the Comedy Central Instagram stories. Follow me on Insta. And thanks for having me. And I'm excited, always excited to talk about Garf. Yeah, thank you guys so much for joining me. This was this was a fun trip into the Garfverse. You can follow us on Instagram at CreatureFeaturePod. On Twitter at CreatureFeetPod. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That is something very different. If you're interested in my Katie thoughts, just at Katie Golden, K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N. And as always, I am at ProBirdRights. Definitely not a sentient flock of birds trying to subvert social media to convince humans to accept us as their overlords. Thank you so much to the Space Cossacks for their super Garfy song, Exolumina. 
Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Not Mondays, because we yeah, hate to, Mondays. Yeah, I was about just to say, like, like oh, good thing it's not a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and now yeah. we uh, all eat our l- full plates of lasagna that are sitting just out of camera end with our bare hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an audio medium, but we promise you yeah. no silverware. That'll it's be right the in our bonus faces. track. Yeah. Lasagna. ASMR. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.